Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 31st, 2022 from A.T. Shire's house. Happy Halloween, folks. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at how early voting is going in South Carolina and what officials are doing to make sure your vote is counted. We also have some campaign trail bites for you. And in business, we have a quick look at GDP and state unemployment data. In medical, we bring you an update on what's shaping up to be a rough flu season. And Sara Barber with Skadvasa discusses the state of domestic violence in South Carolina at the conclusion of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And of course, we want to hear your stories as well. That's why I have a voicemail box set up at 803-563-7169. Let us know what you dressed up as for Halloween. Maybe some, some spooky stories that happened to you during Halloween. Tell us what you think, what kind of candy Vince Colbelugo would eat. He denies the candy corn story, but we continue to push it. That is our prerogative. In the wind down, we want to hear from you. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The flu in South Carolina is widespread as of the week ending October 22nd, with lab-confirmed tests and hospitalizations increasing. This flu season is off to a very strong start, with rates typically seen later in the season, or rarely ever. For example, there were 98 people hospitalized with the flu for the week ending on the 22nd. That's higher than at any time over the past two years, and the season just started. So, wash your hands often, cover your cough and your sneeze. Did I mention washing your hands? Wipe down frequently touched surfaces. Stay home if you're sick. And officials say get your flu shot ASAP. Did I mention washing your hands? Wash them. I got my COVID booster and flu shot on Sunday. And besides a little arm soreness, I'm fine and dandy this Monday. Last week, more than 238,000 people voted early across South Carolina, and nearly 38,000 sent in mail-in absentee ballots. This is the first general election in our state with early voting, thanks to the massive bipartisan election integrity bill that Republican and Democrat lawmakers passed in May. One main result is that voters have at least one early voting location in the county they're registered to cast their ballot in without an excuse like what was needed under absentee in-person voting before. People were so amped up to vote early and find out information about it that scvotes.gov crashed on October 24th, the first day of early voting. Though officials say this was a back-end website problem and not a cyber attack. I spoke with Chris Whitmeyer, the Director of Public Information from the SC State Election Commission on This Week in South Carolina about early voting trends and point location security concerns. We expected the numbers would go up for a number of reasons. One is that uh, it was such a short time frame uh, between May 13th, the date the uh, bill was signed into law, and the and the beginning of early voting. It was about two weeks, so not a lot of time to uh, really get the word out there to everybody about early voting. Uh, also, not a lot of time for counties to uh, identify and open a maximum number of locations or as many locations as they want would want to open. Um, we had about 85 locations statewide. Uh, in June, we now have about 115 locations statewide in June. So more locations, 
there's also more hours. So the hours are 8.30 to 6 for a general when it's only 8.30 to 5 for a primary. So you do get that additional hour. As we go through early voting, there'll be an extra day. Saturday is included for general elections, which was not the case uh, in the primaries. And, and so just as people learn about it, as we advertise it, uh, as people talk to their family and friends about their experience with early voting, uh, we think the convenience of it for voters, you know, being able to choose to vote at any time over a 17-day period, except for a few days there where it's not open, gives voters more options, and, and, and we expect voters to start taking advantage of that. Another reason is that in the 2020 general election, we essentially had early voting. It was basically no excuse absentee, a little different process. Uh, but in that case, when you added in-person absentee and absentee by mail, more than 50%, uh, about 53% of the voters in the 2020 general voted before election day. So we had that experience to say, look, that's probably uh, where we're going. And then we also look at the other states and other jurisdictions that have similar early voting um, processes, and they see approximately half the voters voting before election day. So we expected those numbers uh, to go up. Do you know any big cases or any cases of voter fraud that we've seen in the state in the past couple years? They have been uh, few and far between. I believe there are some cases. Uh, we went through House Legislative Oversight Committee uh, hearing earlier this year, going back to last year. But, you know, I know as part of that hearing, other state agencies, I'm not sure if it was uh, law enforcement or courts or, or HLOC themselves, but they put together a, uh, a list of incidents from, I don't know, the past 10, 20 years. There were some incidents on there, but to answer your question, they were rare, you know, few and far between mm -hmm. of incidents of election, prosecuted election crimes. And when we talk about incidents too, Chris, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, are there typical issues that we see on election day? Are there any threats we've seen to poll workers or any safety concerns that you all are worried about in this day and age? In the primaries, we had some incidents where I will describe them as election integrity activists showed up at polling places uh, demanding access to equipment, um, arguing with the clerks and managers there at the polling place, demanding to take pictures of the equipment, uh, making claims that seals, uh, supposed required seals were missing on the equipment, and in some cases uh, called police to uh, polling places to file a police report about these alleged uh, improprieties. So uh, that in and of itself was essentially interfering with the conduct of an election and disruptive at the polls. It can be intimidating to the voters who are there. These are while voting is going on. Um, so what we've done is, is we've worked with SLED, uh, our executive director, Howard Knapp, and uh, SLED chief Mark Peel actually issued a joint letter to all the sheriffs and police chiefs uh, around the state making them aware of, of a number of things. One is is the uh, the general environment since the 2020 general election and that uh, and, and sort of the threats nationally against election officials. Now we haven't received any uh, death threats like they have in other states, uh, but the environment is certainly there. Uh, and then and then two, making them aware of these incidents from the June primary and that these violate state law and that we have to have order in polling places. Um, also that law enforcement officials are not allowed to go into the polling place uh, unless they're there to vote or unless they're called by the managers for assistance. And, and that's designed to prevent voter intimidation because uh, there's history in, in South Carolina in this country of law enforcement being used to 
uh, intimidate voters. So that's why those laws are in place. Moving on, we have a little campaign trail update for you. (laughs) Both gubernatorial campaigns are making a swing through the state with a week to go until Election Day. Governor Henry McMaster's campaign kicked off their 19-stop bus tour on Sunday. They'll be on the road through November 7th with McMaster and Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Former Congressman Joe Cunningham is doing the same, but on a smaller scale, with his running mate, Tally Parham Casey. Cunningham is kicking off a seven-stop statewide tour over the next seven days, starting in Florence and ending in Charleston. You can find details on their respective campaign websites, and I'll try and get out there as well. And a heads up, the final debate of the season is the State Superintendent of Education debate this Wednesday, November 2nd at 7 p.m. It's between Democrat Lisa Ellis and Republican Ellen Weaver. They are running to replace outgoing two-term superintendent Molly Spearman. I'll be moderating the debate, as well as Shauna Atcox of the Post and Courier. She'll join me for the hour-long debate in questioning the candidates. You can tune in to SCETV, South Carolina Public Radio, or watch online. We have a quick business roundup for you, starting with GDP numbers. There's data. Last week, the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis reported real gross domestic product increased at an annual rate of 2.6% in the third quarter of 2022. This in contrast to negative growth during the first six months of the year. The increase in the third quarter primarily reflected increases in exports and consumer spending that were partly offset by a decrease in housing investment. Of course, that decrease in housing investment is being driven by aggressive interest rate activity by the Federal Reserve Bank as it works to combat decades-high inflation. The Federal Open Market Committee will meet again this week to determine by how much they will raise rates again. We'll also get new inflation numbers next Thursday, just after the November 8th election. And we got some more economic indicators for you. It's hard to compile data. The State Department of Employment and Workforce in South Carolina announced earlier in October that the seasonally adjusted unemployment rate for September increased to 3.2% from August's estimate of 3.1%. This is still below the national unemployment rate of 3.5%. SCDU Executive Director Dan Elzey said in a statement, quote, Wages in South Carolina are at an all-time high, and the state is overflowing with job opportunities. While unemployment has edged up slightly and employment has dropped, overall, the numbers have remained steady and strong, for the last several months, quote. On Monday, DHEC announced that the first pediatric flu-related death of the season occurred. Dr. Linda Bell, the state epidemiologist and DHEC's director of the Bureau of Communicable Disease Prevention and Control, said, quote, It's sad and unfortunate that we must report the death of a child in the Midlands region from the complications of the flu. While the flu can circulate at any time of the year, for surveillance purposes, the season begins October 1st. Although we are early in the season, we've been seeing widespread flu activity since the first week. This suggests we could have a severe flu season, and we all must take actions to protect ourselves and others. Dr. Bell continued by saying that this is particularly true for certain groups of our population, 
people 65 and over, young children, and people with underlying medical conditions are at increased risk of complications from the flu. But complications can unpredictably occur even among young and previously healthy people. So best protection against the flu is the flu shot. DHEC and the CDC recommend that everyone six months of age and older who is eligible get vaccinated. It takes about two weeks for the body to build up protection after getting the flu vaccine. So it's important to get vaccinated soon to prevent more illness since flu has already been spreading widely in South Carolina. And that's definitely something you want to do and consider because, like we said, these numbers are high and holiday travel season is rapidly approaching. Moving on, domestic violence remains a problem in our state. Despite it now being ranked 23rd by the Violence Policy Center when it comes to the number of women murdered by men in 2020, the most recent year for confirmed data. While the numbers are encouraging to some, Sarah Barber, executive director of the South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault, said they may not be telling the full story. Here's Sarah talking with me on This Week in South Carolina about that data. I think it's always good news when you see data like that. Any improvement is good news, and obviously that's fewer people who lost their lives that year. But it was 2020. It was the beginning of the pandemic. That's a very unusual year. And if you look at the data across all the states, you'll see some states the rate went way up, some states it went way down from compared to previous years. So I think what we're gonna have to look at is the pattern of how that starts to play out in years to come, whether that was the start of a trend or whether that was a blip in a year where who knows what was going on. So I do take encouragement from it always. You know, when you do this work, you always have to keep that hope alive. But I do think we need to be cautious and not jump to any conclusions about what that data truly says about whether things are improving or not in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Because that was a concern when we talked last year and, and years prior just about, you know, were you expecting more troubling numbers because of the pandemic, because of, you know, creating such a unique situation for people to be you know, even more so trapped in. So I guess somewhat encouraging, but still you think there could be more behind that data? Yeah, and so that's lethality data. And we were surprised by the fact that we dropped down. And when I talked with somebody at the National um, Domestic Violence Fatality Review Initiative out in Arizona, they were surprised by our data too, mm. because it was not what they were seeing in other parts of the country. But what we still know is that there's, you know, 25,000 incidents of domestic violence reported to law enforcement approximately each year. And so that's still going on. And during the pandemic, I think there were probably more that weren't reported. So I don't know that we'll ever get a true picture of what domestic violence really looked like during that time. 25,000 reports a year in South Carolina? Yes. To so. law enforcement and in an underreported crime. Yeah. So um, the numbers really are staggering. Mm -hmm. When we talk about some big changes we've seen this past year, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, overturned Roe v. Wade. That's about 50 years of abortion access precedent. Tell us how you see that affecting women in domestic violence situations. We're talking about abortion access and, and, and this feeling of being trapped, essentially. Well, it's a big issue. And it's something that people don't really talk about. When we talk about abortion and abortion access, people will talk about rape exceptions, limited mm -hmm. as those are and as damaging as those can be. But nobody ever talks about reproductive coercion. What happens when women are not allowed to use um, birth control, when things such as stealthing happens, um, when they're... Um, pressurized to have sex against their will, that happens in violent relationships. It's not as easy as 
if you don't want to be pregnant, don't have sex. For women who are in violent and coercive relationships, that's not a choice that they have. And so removing their access to abortion care that they need or may need is a further continuation of that abuse. I mean, it really enables batterers to um, get what they want from women. Um, and I think it's very sad when we have sort of the apparatus of the state enforcing that abuse and furthering it. And then you're talking about creating that cycle that we were just talking about trying to break. Yes. I mean, it's very hard to leave a relationship. It's almost impossible when you have you know, three, four, five children. Where are you going to go? Um, the question is often asked, why didn't she leave? And the, answer, the question, I mean, leave and go where? Mm -hmm. You know, we have no affordable housing in our state. It's very hard to find. Um, and there was a report that came out recently that I, mean, I think Charleston, Greenville, and Myrtle Beach are among the um, cities with the highest increases in rent. So we're asking people to leave, people who may not have been able to work, people who don't have any control over their finances, um, people who are living in fear, and the violence may get worse if they leave. You know, we're asking them why didn't they do something instead of looking for solutions for them that might make that possible. So what can women do in those situations right now that if they're watching, if they might know someone who's in a situation like that, what can they do to, to help them when it's so daunting? If it's, somebody, if it's a victim themselves, we would ask them to reach out to one of our member programs in the area in which they live. They can find that number and the services that are offered on our website. Um, there's also the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which can also direct calls if somebody can't find a local program. If it's a friend, we ask that you really take the steps to listen to them, to believe them, to help them find resources, and to stay in support of them. People might not leave the first time. People might not leave the second time, but to be that sort of rock that they can depend on, someone who's not going to judge them, who's going to understand that they are the expert in their life and will know when it's safe and when they have somewhere to go, just to be there for them. That's what victims need is for somebody to believe them and to help them. Now, while we know that Domestic Violence Awareness Month is over, the problem still remains. You can find important resources for you or others at skadvasa.org. And you can find that full episode and more on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. Welcome to the wind down section, a little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us again how your Halloween went. It's now November. We're about to fall back soon. The election's a week away. So much going on. Football seasons. It's it, we're, 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 we're like halfway in. More than half, right? For college, yeah. we're, we're in it. NFL, yeah. we're about a third. So let us know. Uh, I don't really care to hear about your sports takes. <laughs> But you can give me one or I two. Do. I want to hear them. Um, as long as you, well, as if we get a few people calling in saying "Go birds." Yeah, see, I see what you're doing there. Does it do it's anything just specific to, to the? Yeah, guys. if anyone wants to talk about the Phillies in the World Series, oh, no, I don't want to hear. We're talking about the Fightins. Okay, any Phillies sports talk can be saved <laughs> for any number of podcasts besides this one. But tell us how you feel. Yeah, the rest of season six nine. Uh, AT, how are you? I'm okay, yeah. I had my first session of physical therapy today for my Achilles. Mm. Um, only few fleeting uh, 
looks of concern in the PT's eyes mm. that they didn't convey to me. But um, it, it <laughs> don't like that. It, it went, yeah. Ooh, I don't like that look. I, but, I can uh, see your face, Doc. What's going on there? Oh, nothing. Everything's your, fine. Your tone is nice, but the look, your face the is, look is scared. And that's the, where the magic of Botox comes in, folks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was good, though. Um, I, I got little, little dancey moves I can do with my feet while sitting deep, in a chair. Deep, little dot, dot, dots. Um, very fun very yeah fun. i'm gonna pick up some of them i saw they were very they very cool. uh she asked me questions about like so what are you trying to do again in life oh <laughs> my god <laughs> everything <laughs> question mark uh, jesus so how's your existential crisis on this monday morning i, I was sweating um <laughs> uh and uh so i was just like just uh to be able to stand with my friends again. <laughs> I, I enjoyed standing before. Yeah, uh, showering upright was a big desire of mine. Walking. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think my professional football career is probably over, Ugh, sadly, because bother. I really thought that this was going to be the year for me. Yeah, but, you're um, showing improvement. <laughs> so here we are. Anyway, I made it for the pod. And we had some big clips in this episode, so we're not, we, the only phone calls we have are, are pretty long. Which we appreciate. We appreciate, we're just, we, we've had with, with debate recaps and mm -hmm. abortion debate recaps, it's, it's been a lot. So we are going to get to your long phone calls, I promise you. But, so, since with it, when this episode's coming out, it's no longer Halloween, it is now November, Meg, Meg Kennard is incredibly happy right now, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um. We've been talking so much about candy. I've seen this another topic on Twitter recently, RIP Twitter. But uh, it, this is ranking your top five fruits in mm. order. Okay? Oh, man. And I've done my list here. I'm not ready. I'm cramming right now. And there now. are some people that create very strange lists with very odd fruits. Yeah. Okay? So I'll, I'll, I'll read you mine and you can react. Okay? Sure. My number one is easy strawberry okay i think that's a strong best one yeah yeah i it makes the best jams and um, i think that they're great you're a big marmalade guy I oh know. yeah uh number two raspberry okay not a lot of people are gonna argue with that right who could who could i dare them here is where i get to where you might take exception umbridge mm, blackberry that was your third? I like blackberries. No, I'm, I'm never going to take a position with a blackberry. You're pro blackberry. My God, it's my number one. Uh, spoiler. <laughs> Shoot, spoiler, I've, I've met a lot of blackberry haters in my life. Well, I hope you got rid of them. I, <laughs> I see, hope you moved on. You got to Marie Kondo those people out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so then... Top three are berries. I'm loving this berry, I, I, Bob. I'm big berry guy. Love that. Oh, my God. I forgot blueberries. Oh, I do love blueberries. Can I, can I just... Cut in here and just say, can we just put berries as our number one? It's just the entire berry <sighs> sure, genre. Sure, sure, Gene Ray. I gotta say though that that blueberries outside of New England, outside of Maine, are just not as good. Those are very suboptimal blueberries. Okay, very specific here, but yes. we'll, we're all about specificity when it comes to lists. So it's what fine. else is on my list here? I have peach, specifically the white peach. Oh yeah, very expensive, very, very fancy. Good. And then I could not choose my last one here. It's either pears mm. or cantaloupe. Oh, the lope. I'm going to add that one. I like cantaloupe. Um, oh, watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin loves watermelon, and I don't like watermelon. Um, it doesn't taste like anything. That's refreshing. 
Um, so for my top five, yeah, let's hear it. Which I think might now be six, but I had six. Not I had hairs. six plus the seventh. I forgot. So like I'm saying, I, I would say berries is my number one. Berries is just writ large. Specifically, the blue and the black berries. I love black. We used berries. to pick black berries as children. I think the biggest problem. <laughs> Black and then berries? we would make them into we'd we'd make it into jam for the school year, and that's what we'd have. The biggest problem with blackberries is there's such a drop off from good blackberries. Like a black, <laughs> yeah. a bad blackberry Ooh. is unpleasant. I was at I told did we share that I shared the story the other day when I was at the Publix and I ran across the raspberries that were like four dollars off. Obviously they were about to turn, but I was yeah. like I don't care. I'm, not, I'm saving five dollars on a thing of blo- of raspberries. So yeah. I just gobbled them all up. And th- you that can is eat it very, in one session. But that's a very fine, that's sweet and very sour. Yeah, um, and when you get a bad one, it is so sour. So my, my berries up there, apples, very basic. But I apples? apples? I'm thinking of easy to eat things that I can just eat on the go that I enjoy. And I always have apples more than any other fruit in my home. But there are so many bad apples. Ooh, it's just a few bad well, apples. Yeah, it's just one it's bad just apple. just a few bad apples. Um, I like, they have to be pretty sturdy. I don't like those like, soft apples I don't mealy like, ones yeah meal. i don't like those at all i like you know what i i mean i get them in the bag mm-hmm. jazz apples great jazz, great jazz, apple jazz. yep you just want to dance around yep. um oranges i love an orange <laughs> navel orange i love an orange i love citrus love citrus so i put citrus you know writ large again like the berry if we're talking like cooking, your lemon your lime if we're talking cooking not just shoveling into face sure Lemon and lime are my two top. Especially when it comes to cocktails, you need those. Oh, you gotta. Uh, Cantaloupe, like you were saying. Love cantaloupe. God, I could eat a whole cantaloupe, maybe two if if I was just, I was just. I think I could eat two cantaloupe. And watermelon. I don't like watermelon. I love watermelon in the summertime. I love a watermelon drink. So boring. Oh, tomatoes if we're gonna split tomatoes oh, god i didn't want to be that guy <laughs> i was gonna do it but i didn't want to know tomatoes it. what else uh, tomatoes uh cucumber <laughs> cucumber uh, if we're playing strict rules here i i thought these uh, i don't think what about least favorite just a quick one least favorite least favorite fruits is probably the ones that are like a lot of work for very little reward. Your pomegranates. We're talking pomegranates. We're talking like passion fruit, dragon fruit. You know what I, I mean? I guess if you skinned a kiwi right, it's not too much work. I do kiwi, a lot of kiwi. Is, is generally pretty good. I love peeled kiwis. I, I would eat, I could just do that. I would eat a kiwi. I don't, I'm not scared of the outside. I'm not scared of the outside. Oh, you heard it here first. Oh, you want to know an. <laughs> You want to know a fruit-based Vince Cole Lugo fact, which is going to make you not trust him about candy Our corn. South Carolina Public Radio listeners are living for these tidbits about <laughs> Vince Cole Lugo eats all of the apple when he eats an apple. Stop it. He eats the core. He eats the whole thing straight down. Can't do that. He's proud of it, too. So unlike in the cartoon when they put the whole fish in and then just like, yeah. the bones come out. He would eat he, the bones. There, nothing would come out. He would eat the bones. He eats the bones of the apple. Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> say goodbye, Gavin. Let us know your favorite fruits. It's healthy season now. Okay? Yeah, come on, guys. Let's stay, let's stay healthy. We've been shoveling candy down our gullets all month. So let's think about something healthy and fresh. Let us know, 803-563-7169. We always appreciate hearing from you guys. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can stay up to date with the latest news on sceTV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Is this what it feels like to eat five gum? Ah! Is that what it's like? Is that what it's like? Oh, five gum is so hip.